When I was around 15, I remember waking up to my mom's voice right outside my bedroom. I wasn't exactly sure what she was saying or what was going on at first. My door was shut, so it kind of sounded like mumbling, until she started getting loud with whoever was on the other end. So I sat up and tried to listen to the conversation. She just kept yelling out things like, that's not true, and you don't know what you're talking about. I honestly had no clue who she could have been on the phone with. My mom isn't the type of person to argue with people. That's when I heard her say, Well, you have the wrong kid. My son is in his room. Those words threw me off a bit and honestly creeped me the hell out. Why is she arguing with someone about me? I was about to get up and open the door, but then I heard her scream out, My son is not in cardiac arrest. He's sleeping in his bed. My mom was freaking out, but I don't understand why she just didn't open my door and check on me. Maybe she was scared that whoever was on the other line could have been right? Moments later, my door swung open and my mom stood in the doorway. I sat up as if I had just been woken up from sleep. Then she turned my light on and she told me whoever was on the phone that I'm fine. I could tell my mom was shaken up, so I took the phone and asked who was on the other end. They instantly blurted our blurted out my name. Then they just continued on with their stupid prank, saying, Are you okay? We thought you died, ma'am. After the person would stop talking, I could hear a couple other guys in the background just laughing. I didn't recognize the voice. Definitely wasn't somebody I knew. I don't know who it was or how the hell they got our number and my name, but it was definitely creepy as hell and probably horrifying for my mom. It was enough for her to change our number because of this person. I spent the next few days asking friends about it, and my friends asked other people at school. Nobody seemed to know anything about a group of young guys pranking random people around that time, so it was basically just left as a bizarre mystery. Then about a year later, something similar happened. I don't think it had anything to do with the first call, honestly, but who even knows? This time it was about my sister who was one year younger than me. I remember my mom woke both of us up in the middle of the night, freaking out again. Our parents had one of the house phones in their bedroom right next to their bed. They would turn the ringer off at night, but if someone left a voicemail, they would still hear that. She made us stand outside her bedroom while she played the voicemail that woke her up. It sounded like a woman, but her voice was distorted. The only thing she said was, Your daughter has been dirty, and now she has to die. That shit definitely felt ten times scarier than my situation. Now my mom and sister were freaking out. It didn't help that our dad worked the night shift, so he couldn't help calm everyone down. I felt bad for my mom, especially since she had to go through this the year before and now again. So once again, we changed our number in hopes of not having to deal with shit like that anymore. All names of people have been changed for privacy. Before I begin, 
Here's some background. I'm a first year student at the university in Arizona. I live in a historic dorm that was built in the 1920s. The dorm is shaped like a U with sides having residence rooms and the bottom side mainly having the lobby, restrooms, and etc. Our dorm is three stories plus a basement. We don't have an elevator and our common area is in the basement. I'm telling these events in the order they, they happen and I will update you if needed. Before getting into specific events, I'll go over the two that are consistently happening. All 25 residents see shadow figures and get really dreadful feelings walking around on our own in the building after 1 in the morning. Also, any small electronics, phones, laptops, iHomes, and etc. will turn on and off on their own while in the building. For the first month or so, I left my laptop plugged in, off, and open on my desk during the night. About twice a night, I would be woken up to the fan of my laptop turning on and the screen being illuminated to the login screen. Thinking that the power was surging in the middle of the night, I kept turning it off and started unplugging my laptop when I got into bed. But about every other day, I would still wake up to my laptop turning on and the screen being bright as could be. This happens to a few other residents on my floor as well. I've had to start keeping my laptop in my backpack overnight and only being able to have it out and open during the day when it's not a big deal if it turns on for no reason. I moved into the dorm a week early and there was only about 20 other residents living there. I also live on the third floor. Most of the other residents that moved in early live on one or two. This meant that a lot of the time I was alone in the restroom while taking showers or getting ready for bed. Most nights I would shower around 10.30 or 11, and every time as soon as I turned on the water for the shower I would hear tapping up and down the ceramic counter. Then, after a while, I would just ignore it because I thought it may be the pipes or even though the finger tapping on the ceramic doesn't really sound like pipe noises. Anyways, the tapping would continue well into my shower and stopped about five minutes before I got out. This pretty much stopped after other residents moved in. Unless I'm showering really late at like 2 or 3 a.m., then sometimes I'd still hear tapping. Right before Thanksgiving break, around 2 a.m., my friend Alice and I were hanging out in Jake and Matt's room in the basement. Jake and Matt live across the resident assistant. Matt is very sheltered and innocent, leading to a lot of jokes being made at his expense. That night, he asked us what Louvre was. Before I could answer, Jake told him to go across the hall and ask Stuart, who was our RA. Alice and I were worried we would get written up, so we hid in Matt's closet. We hear Matt knocking and getting yelled at by the RA for waking him up. Shortly after Matt gets back, Alice and I decide to leave. As we go, Jake loudly says, Hey, Stuart, still not wanting to get written up, and I start sprinting down the stairwell to go upstairs. I hear Maddie, Alice, and Stuart's very distinctive voice. I kept running and then text Jake when I got up to my room. The conversation went something like this. Hey, that was kind of a dick move, you yelling at the RAs when we left. Why? He didn't even come out of the room. 
Bullshit. He yelled at he yelled after us. No, he definitely didn't. Knowing that Jake will lie for a prank sometimes, I text Alice asking if she heard Stuart yell after us. She said she said no. She hadn't heard anything. That definitely freaked me out. I made a point to not be in the basement after midnight until after Thanksgiving. Sometime in early December, I got really sick out of nowhere. Vomit, sore throat, the whole nine yards. I asked Sasha to grab me some cough drops from the corner store. She, she quickly agreed. While she was at the store, I fell asleep. About three hours later, I woke up to someone pounding on my door. Not knocking, but absolutely pounding on the door. The door was shaking in its frame, and the knob kept trying to turn. Keep in mind that if it's an RA, they will introduce themselves through the door after knocking, and none of my roommates were there. I texted Sasha and asked why she was being so aggressive. She quickly replied that she was in class. Terrified, I just laid in my bed and waited till the pounding stopped. I then frequently fell back asleep, thinking that if it was another friend, I would wake up to a text. When I woke up, I had no texts or calls. When asked, all of my friends said they weren't even at the dorm. Lastly, late one night, my friend Lexi was walking down the hall and up the same stairwell as from the previous story when she insists she heard Stuart walking behind her. Stuart, Stuart has a unique shuffle when wearing slippers. Lexi kept looking behind her. Seeing no one, she started heading up the stairs when she hears fuck shouted in her ear in Stuart's voice. Let it be noted that Stuart was home for his mom's birthday that night. These are all the events that happened in our dorm so far. I leave for Christmas holidays tomorrow, but maybe next semester I'll have some more stories if you guys would like some updates. Back when I was 16, I was asked to babysit my neighbor's four-year-old daughter, who for the purpose of this post, I'll call Emily. I took him up on the offer that my family and his family knew each other relatively well, and the money they were offering was too much to turn down. His house was fairly big and had several bedrooms. I stayed in the guest bedroom upstairs while Emily stayed downstairs. One noticeable feature of the house is the rather large ducts that ran throughout the house, of which some were large enough for a full-grown man to crawl through. My instructions were clear. Entertain her. Bedtime by 8.30. No horror movies and nothing above a G rating. After watching Wally for what seemed like the 30th time, I ordered her to bed given that it was well past her bedtime. At that moment, I thought I could hear the sound of a screwdriver coming from the backyard. After putting her to bed, I got my phone flashlight and quickly ran around the house. Nothing was there. I crashed in bed and began wondering if I was just hearing things or even going insane. I could swear I could hear a screwdriver and the sound of nails being unscrewed from something. 
At that moment, I must have fallen asleep. That's when I heard the strangest and scariest nightmare I'll probably experience in my life. It was just me, the house, and Emily. I had been pushed out of my bed in a way that I was standing upright. What made it even more bizarre is that there was absolutely nothing outside except a white backdrop and a very foggy and smoggy sun. Inside the house, everything was unnaturally dark and dusty. I began hearing Emily cry. I opened my door and began running down the stairs and hallway. It took me what felt like a full minute to get to her room. By the time I found her, she was back to playing with her toys. I picked her up and began walking out of her bedroom. Suddenly, she began crying, but not in a normal way. Rather, she was crying the way a newborn would. She was screaming. She pointed back into her room. I looked and saw nothing out of the ordinary. Deep down, though, I felt a sudden and overwhelming urge to run as fast as possible. I began running down the now one-mile-long highway. Hallway. She screamed, Bad guy, and pointed to something behind me. I started to comprehend what she was saying. Bad, bay go, bad god, no, bad guy. I turned around. This time, something quickly dug behind the door. I ran again as the sound of banging led me to turn around. Once again, there was a full-grown, slender-like man running towards me at an inhumane-like speed. I didn't look back, but I felt his claws dig into my back, and then I woke up. It was three in the morning, and immediately after, I heard the same banging and crying I heard in my dreams. I ran down towards Emily's room. I grabbed my neighbor's baseball bat. I ran into her room, and she was huddled in the corner. What's wrong? Bad guy. What? The bang answered that. I looked to the opposite end of her room, towards the vent. A hand was reaching out, followed by the most unnatural and broken face imaginable. I took one swing with the bat. The person gave out the most hoarse, witch-like scream one could imagine. That was my cue to run out with Emily in my arms and to run as fast as possible to my other neighbor's house. Within less than a minute, the police arrived just in time to catch the guy leaping out of the fully opened and unscrewed vent shaft. They had him. It was all over, but even that didn't comfort me. Not my family, not the fact that I practically neutralized him when I broke his one good hand with the bat. Nothing could take the words he said to me out of my head. Her hair tasted good, and you're next. There's a man in my head. He tells me what to do. He's been there ever since I was a child. He doesn't talk much, but when he does, I always hear it. The first time I heard him, I was five years old. I heard a quiet, raspy voice whispering to me. I looked around the room, but saw no one. I settled back into bed, carefully listening to my surroundings, trying to pinpoint where the voice came from. 
I scarcely breathed for fear it would cover up the whispering. After laying there for several minutes, I heard it again. Hello, little one. I'm glad you can finally hear me. A chill ran down my spine. I realized that the voice wasn't coming from somewhere in my room. It was speaking within my own mind. I've been waiting to talk to you for so long. I've been lonely. Hello? Who are you? Where are you? I asked timidly. Oh, don't be afraid. I would never harm you. I'm your oldest friend, after all. My friend? Of course, I've been with you since you were born. The voice was rather high, but when the man spoke, I could feel his voice ripple throughout my entire body. It was unsettling, but also somewhat comforting, like being wrapped in a weighted blanket. A few days passed before I heard his voice again. He seemed happier this time. I've got a great idea. You like having fun, don't you? Well, I know a great game we can play on the moon. But how will I get to the moon, I asked. We'll fly there, of course, laughed the man. You just have to jump out of your window and believe. If you believe enough, you'll float right up. I went to the window closed my eyes, and leaped out. I eventually jumped out, and I broke my arm. After that night, I didn't want to speak with the man again, but he came to me every night apologizing and saying that I needed to believe harder. I was still mad, but I couldn't escape him. His voice swallowed me, and some nights he was the only thing I could hear. I began to hear him during the daytime, too. The longer I resisted, the louder his voice grew. It was only a matter of time before I relented. I was in gym class a couple weeks after, when I got beat up by an older kid. He had pushed me down in the grass behind the bleachers and was repeatedly kicking me. I curled up into a ball, hoping he would get bored and leave. After a few more minutes, he ran off, just as our teacher came looking for me. I told him that I had fallen. He told me to be more careful. I sat on the bench trying to hide my tears from the other kids. Over the stifled sound of my sobs, however, I heard him. Are you going to let that lowlife keep using you as his personal punching bag? Don't you want to protect yourself? Maybe get a little revenge? His voice was louder than before, and I was too tired, too weak, too scared to fight him anymore. I don't know what to do. Please, help me. Well, you're playing baseball, right? And that bully's head looks an awful like a baseball to me. Batter up. I don't remember what happened. But I know that when I regained control of my senses, I was holding an aluminum baseball bat coated with blood. The other kid spent two weeks in a hospital. I was expelled, my family moved town, and I was enrolled in a school for troubled children. I no longer fought off the man's voice 
Every day he spoke to me. Every day he told me what to do. Every day I listened. As I got older, things got worse and worse. I had no friends and I avoided my parents as much as possible. He was the only person I spoke with. The only person who cared for me. I know what he told me to do was wrong, but I couldn't help it. It was almost relieving to give up control sometimes, to not be responsible, to feel like I was pleasing someone. One day, things took a turn for the worse. I was laying in bed trying to forget the pile of overdue homework on my desk and the constant barrage of insults that classmates hurled at me. I glanced at my bookshelf and saw the old switchblade I took from my grandmother's house after she died. Grab the knife, the man said. I have a great idea. Don't you want to feel again? Don't you want to feel alive? Get the knife and cut yourself. Not too deep. We don't want to cause any serious damage. I grabbed the knife and made a small cut on my wrist. It stung, but it was also relieving. It was good to feel something again, to feel anything. I kept going, making more small cuts along my wrist and arms. I felt like I was alive again, and I could tell from his encouragement that the man was proud of me. Every day, I made a few small cuts. This seemed to please him, the man in my head. His voice was softer after I made a fresh cut, and he spoke less often. This continued for years, all the way through high school. Soon enough, though, it became apparent that my daily ritual wasn't enough for him anymore. Slowly, he spoke more. Slowly, his voice grew louder. Then one day, he finally broke. I was driving with my parents. We were on our way to some family gathering in the next town over. It was a quick drive, one I had made a dozen times before. I was driving through the woods on a local road when I saw a large shipping truck coming into view, heading towards me. The man began screaming louder and louder, more frantically than I had ever heard him before. Turn into the other lane. Hit that truck. Do it. Think of how good it will feel. The smashing, the cracking, the tearing, the pain, the wonderful, glorious pain. Do it. Do it now. My hands seemed to move on their own. The truck's headlights nearly blinded me as I collided head-on with the front of the truck. I saw the windshield crack and shatter. I felt my legs buckle and break bone tearing through skin. I heard my mother screaming. I'm sitting in a hospital right now. My family is at a morgue. The man is still with me, still inside my head, and he is still screaming. He wants me to hurt myself again, to hurt others. He's screaming at me to bash my head against the window, to grab the nurse's pen and jam it through her throat. I can't stop him. It's over for me but not for you. We all have a man in our heads. You can hear him if you try, but please, for your sake, don't listen to what he says. No matter how sad you feel, 
or how sweet and comforting his words sound. Do not do what he asks. It will come to haunt you for the rest of your life. Thank you.